Welcome back to Unbeatable Spirit with Jenny Bullington, a safe space of thriving and healing. Today we're going to start a discussion on why believing survivors brings forth healing. I'm joined by my friend and fellow co-chair Angie Loritzen. She moved to Gretna nine years ago and immediately got involved in the community. She has served on numerous boards and committees, including the Gretna Chamber of Commerce, Gretna Kids Committee, and Citizens Committee. In 2016, she was driven by a desire for change and a shortage of female leaders in the community. She decided to run for and was elected to the Gretna City Council and is currently a candidate for the mayor of Gretna. Angie currently serves on the board of directors for Concord Mediation, She is a co-chair of the Policy and Legislative Committee for Survivors Rising, along with yours truly, (laughs) and is the founder of the Gretna Hometown Heroes Program. She was also named a 2017 Woman of Distinction in Sarpy County by Suburban Newspaper Publication. Welcome, Angie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to to have you be a part of this today. just to start us off, why don't you tell me a little bit about what has brought you to the survivor community? Well, it's, you know, I, just to preface, I'm actually 30 years uh, post-crisis. And so when I say that, you know, not everyone is just out of their crisis situation. And so Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to be comfortable to talk to people because I used to describe my childhood as this thing that happened to me, or I had a bad childhood and just leave it at that. Um, Mm -hmm. In 2016, I finally started coming out with my story, and I was asked to start participating in some different groups and committees pertaining to survivorship and advocacy work. Mm -hmm. And I was directed towards or pointed towards um, Survivors Rising. That's, you know, the year that Survivors Rising was created. So all of it was kind of this whirlwind. It was also the same year that I was elected. Uh, My son was actually um, in the Marine Corps and um, had a tour of duty over in Iraq. So it was a very, I call it my year of change. Just I closed a um, business and and, uh, came. So, you know, the... One of the biggest things is, especially what we're talking about today, is Mm -hmm. um, believing survivors. And so when you grow up in a childhood the way that I was, and I was taught at a very early age that I would not be believed Mm -hmm. at all, Mm -hmm. that I knew that with the leadership that I was doing in my community, on these committees, the people started seeing me as a, a voice that mm-hmm. they wanted to hear. I felt it was my way of not only serving my community, but also serving the community of survivors, that there's so many people that feel like they don't have a voice. Right. And if I can use that in the most positive way, I can give voice to the voiceless. For those that are not ready to tell their story, Mm-hmm. Sometimes just standing next to, next to someone mm-hmm. in um, companionship, they're not ready to speak, but I can help tell my story and it gives them permission to maybe start telling their story right. in whatever medium that might that might be. Right. Yeah. Sometimes even just being able to say, I am a survivor of, 
you know, uh-huh. sexual assault, human trafficking, just being able to say that can be really huge for some individuals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you've worked to heal and continue forward with your life, um, what impact did the words, I believe you, have on your healing journey? You know, I was, I was thinking about this because I don't think I've ever had anyone tell me that statement before. Oh, really? And because when the first time that I was raped, I was four or five. Mm. And it was my uncle that was mm. babysitting us at the time. Mm. And four or five years after that, I was nine years old. I remember this part specifically. Mm. He was needing to move in with us you know he was 19 years old at that time and he was needing you know help um he was getting kicked out of wherever and i threw a fit i'm like this guy cannot move in with us because of what he did when i was four or five i remembered that yeah i remember going to my parents and being like this can't happen like he cannot move in and i knew on their faces when i told them that they didn't believe me and so they asked me if it was okay if he could come if he apologized to me I would be okay with him moving in with us oh my gosh and I'm like the last person that I want to see or be around or live in the same place Mm -hmm. is this guy I mean he's my uncle Mm -hmm. Um, and then to have him come and sit alone in a room with me and apologize to me it was it just it taught me at a very young age that my body was not mine yeah anyone could use it for however they wanted to use it and then through the years of having a very abusive father um watching your mother get beat um and sexually abused and then have Mm -hmm. your father um start to visit you at night you just you grow i grew up in a situation where like I was never taught that I had boundaries. Right. Not that I was uh, complicit in any of this because I was a child, but it was one of those that, like, I was taught at a very early age that if if men wanted to do things to my body, I, you know, as much as I wanted to fight back, they could do whatever they wanted because I was um, not in a place in order to fight back. Mm. Um, But as an adult, when you come out, and I think that taught me kind of early on, you know, don't tell your story. Nobody's going to believe you. Right. right? And then why would you and come so forward? why would you tell anyone? Mm-hmm. You know, later in life, um, I know I was featured in a, on the front page of a local paper, but, um, you know, I spoke about when I had my first boyfriend, when he raped me, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, at the time, I, I couldn't really put into words what had happened. Right. Because I always, like, called it, like, well, what is this thing that happened to me? You know? Right, because you um, processed it as the four-year-old you. Yes. Yeah. So when you come out as an adult, right, mm-hmm. and you're confident, and you are now looked at as a leader, and when you come out and you tell your story, mm. everyone just does believe you, or you hope that they do. Right. 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 And you're not. I'm not trying to report an actual current crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Statute limitations, you know, expired a long time ago. But 
it's it's one of those that because I have the confidence now, I have the support structure, I have the family and friends, and and uh, and you have the backup of my mother apologizing for all the things that had happened to her and mm-hmm. consequently happened to me. It's validation. Right. I'm to a place that I'm lucky enough that I don't need to hear those words, and I know that everyone that's listening, they will also get to that place where. Um, where hearing those words means everything, especially if you're in the crisis. Right. You right. need to be able to hear those words. Yes. But when you're not in crisis, when you are confident in yourself, and you, um, but when I, when you hear that statement, it means it means everything, mm-hmm. and it can provide you the confidence to keep moving forward. And one of the biggest regrets I ever had was. Um, not pushing my mother to file charges right. um, against my dad because I truly believe no one would believe me. Right. And it wasn't. It wasn't one of, I was taught that you know early on. Yeah. And so he ended up going on to abuse other people. And so whatever oh. we have to do in order to provide that structure, provide that support for survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and victims so that they do follow through and do proceed to charges so that this doesn't continue to happen to other people yeah. um, in the future. That's kind of, um, you know, and I think it's it's really safe to say that to people, Yeah. you know, to hug them virtually, you know, yeah. a lot of times, a, you know, a real hug is not what someone needs at that moment, but to look at them and to be able to tell them Mm-hmm. that you believe them and that you will be there for them it provides everything that they need in order to, to continue to put one foot in front of the other exactly and I heard you talking about feeling that confidence in yourself you, the crisis happened and it's been several years now and, and you're in what I call the post-crisis period so you're not dealing immediately with the trauma um, you've had time to work through some of the after effects of the trauma and you're becoming this confident person that is able to share about what happened and able to put a label on it and then able to use that voice to help others in your situation who aren't comfortable coming forward or don't think they'll be heard. That confidence seems like it has come from that space of time being able to heal. Um, in what way did that becoming that confident woman, how did that help you? How, and in what ways can we encourage others to get to a point of feeling confident about themselves after going through trauma? Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. <laughs> I have a, you know, I have a super good um, support system. I have my husband, and my husband. I believe I was living life pretty small for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning, you know, you play small ball, right? You, mm-hmm. you take life easy because when you've been through trauma, when you um, you you take on things that you know that you can fully control, right? Mm-hmm. And so right. when you so you're not you might not be reaching your full potential um, of what you could be. And so my husband likes to call me like, I'm just late to the party. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, 
better late than never though right (laughs) yeah exactly you know it's uh one of those that um you know you take life one step at a time and you are because i used to tell him all the time when him and i first met he's in hr and so the craziest thing he would always you know when we were dating he'd be like so what's your five year plan and i'm like seriously like i'm trying to get through tuesday you know and so we balanced each other really well Mm -hmm. on, on that respect because um, he was always living 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You know, he mm. grew up in like the most perfect family and, mm-hmm. and you know, he's never had to experience anything. He has a hard time understanding my triggers all the time and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and everything. But I would always have to be like, dude, like we just need to get Tuesday. Right. <laughs> you know, let's, and so he helped me kind of grow past that and mm-hmm. try to give me um, that uh, confidence mm-hmm. um, to be who I truly was and to be able to give me the space in order to grow as a person, mm-hmm. as a woman, as a mom, um, and really start to know that my voice matters and that I have mm-hmm. a voice in this world and that um, I can start to be in those leadership roles. Right. And you know, I always attributed that to my husband, and it, for, and it doesn't need to be that for everybody. It right. Can, you know, wherever you can find your confidence, um, whether it's a friend that you have, or a family member, or someone that you're working with, whatever, mm-hmm. that whoever that is, and it might not need somebody. Maybe it's you being able to grow within your own self to attain that. I needed mm-hmm. a, my partner in right. order to help give me the space in order to grow into who I was supposed to be. It just happened to be much later in life um, than than, uh, some people. Mm -hmm. But I think that's okay too. You know, we as survivors, we have a we have a place in this world um, and we are able to add things to every situation that we come through. We see things differently Mm -hmm. than other people that have not experienced trauma we have special talents uh, exactly. for this world, for sure. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because um, in my book, Unbeatable Spirit, one of the very first things we do is we create what I call a worthy wall. So I had a, an acquaintance that um, she was going through a really tough time, and she had made a place that she called her wailing wall. Uh, where she could go, she could cry, she could look at verses or, um, you know, inspirational quotes. But I really struggled with the why make a place where you go to remember, you know, and, and to wail. And yes, there's a there's a place for getting, you know, those emotions out. But starting with trying to become confident in yourself and being able to move forward on that journey um, starts with knowing that you yourself are worthy. And so in the book, we make a worthy wall where we list out everything that we love about ourselves, or we have our partner or our best friend. And we put that literally on our bathroom mirrors or hanging up in our bathroom. And I think that you're striking a chord, and I hope that it resonates with listeners because in order to have healing from being believed, it has to come also from within in a place of confidence and worth. And I think that 
is a great starting point for healing. Um, in what yeah, ways? Important. Yeah. Um, what are some ways that you think that people can better show that they believe and support survivors? You know, I, I think this goes across the board. I think showing up mm-hmm. is the best way that people can show their support for survivors. And I mean that very literally. If there's a coffee meeting, if there is a Zoom meeting, if there is uh, a press conference, if there is whatever that might look like, mm-hmm. if they're asking for testifiers, if they are looking for testimony, then show up. Whatever what that means for that circumstance, it means showing up. And right. if it's just a body and a picture, that's important too. Right. Meaning, I was just at a press conference. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to do anything. I literally mm-hmm. just put on a t-shirt and drove to it and stood there <laughs> in support. Right. I knew I was just a body and a picture and but that's what is needed. You mm-hmm. need, you need to literally show up and that starts to resonate with people. Right. Like no matter what, if they are showing up, it's it's important to them to be there. People show love by donating their time. Mm-hmm. And something that my husband talks about um and in, in the work that he does, but you know, when you ask a child, and he did, he asked my our daughter when she was seven, like, how do you know that somebody loves you? And, you know, her first response was, you know, with hugs and kisses. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, that doesn't work for every circumstance. But right. the next answer was, well, they spend time with me. Yes. And that's so important, even through a child's eyes. And it's yes. the same for adults. If you can find the time to donate, find the time to write a comment, write a note, mm-hmm. um, send something to a survivor or just to be there. Right. Um, I love you that. Know, that's kind of my, my key thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because if many people are busy and, and, mm-hmm. but if someone can make the time, which can be sometimes a greater gift than anything else is if, you know, you make time for what's important. And so if someone's making time for standing in solidarity with me as a survivor, that is a tremendous gift. I, I love that you brought that up. That's fantastic. Um, any other thoughts on supporting survivors? I, I want to say I like to live a life of compassion mm. and empathy. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know what everyone has been through in their life. You know, I grew up in a family that looked perfect on the outside. Right. No one knew that there was constant abuse, and I was just hoping to make it from one day to the next, and Mm -hmm. that's how I lived. I did not know if I would make it from one day to the next. And, And so when I would walk past people's homes, I'd be out for a walk later in life, you just don't know what's happening in those homes. Mm -hmm. So every time I interact with somebody, when I meet them, when I see someone new, or if someone is cutting me off in traffic, Mm -hmm. I don't know what they've been through today. Right. And so I'm just going to live with some compassion and I'm going to give them space. 
if someone needs a hug, then I'm there. If someone needs for me to give them space, I'm there for that too. Right. Um, but I just, I think living with compassion and accepting people for where they are in their life at any given moment, I think is so important. And I just, I wish we would see more of that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. The extending love and extending grace. Yes. I love that. Well, Angie, I have been so encouraged by this conversation with you today. Thank you again for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for everyone who is listening in, if you are enjoying this channel, please subscribe. And there are ways that you can also support this podcast. Thank you again for listening in, and we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.